0: Hey, happy Friday, everybody. Long time no talk. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. This is the I-5 Corridor's traffic report. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate. Thanks for joining us. It is a mess outside here in Portland. It looks like it's a mess outside there in Ann Arbor, where you're visiting from, Shane. How's it going, man? Long time no talk.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. I've been hopping around. I'm finally back home for the holidays. It's uh, two degrees Got a few inches of snow outside. Roads are slick, so a good day to sit inside by the uh, wood-burning stove, do some writing, and talk uh, football.
0: So it's it's like 17 degrees here in Portland right now. We got a fair amount of like freezing rain sleet last night. That uh, might be worse. That, that really might be worse. Well, okay. So so that's what I was going to ask you is like I I texted you the picture of my like my window this morning, which has mm-hmm. like an inch of ice on it, and. I think I would rather just have like a clean two degrees, than like an all over the place like seventeen to thirty.
1: I would agree with you. There was a day in Eugene a few weeks back where it was freezing rain, and I was driving back from one of the Oregon basketball games and almost slid into a car. And like I drive, I drive in snow all the time. I drove to Bend like that next weekend in snow, but the ice is the scariest thing. I it would
0: man Eugene gets. Eugene gets ice storms unlike I've ever seen. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that we had in Alaska growing up, it was just, like, it's going to snow four feet and blow, but, like, it's not going to be the freezing rain stuff. And I, I still have, uh, because I'm an idiot, I uh, it was, I stayed in – this might have been, like, two or three years ago. Stayed overnight in Eugene. It was either for basketball or, like, a football game. Uh, woke up the next morning, and there's, like, an inch of ice, like, on – all of the car just like a nice like mold of the car and i didn't i didn't have my ice scraper i just had my hockey sticks which always like sit in my car and so it's just oh, like, perfect. Oh, this is, like this is perfect i'm gonna de-ice it with my, with my stick and then fast forward like six months later you know it's the middle of the summer i'm like looking at the like the hood of my car it's like what the hell are all these scratches from and
1: oh it's it's
0: it's a hundred percent the hockey stick so uh luck, luckily we have a, a a white car you know it doesn't sh- doesn't uh doesn't show up too much, and my car's never clean enough to really notice anyways, but uh, be forewarned. Yeah, and our listeners are rapidly pressing the 15-second fast-forward button. Oh, whatever. It's Christmas. Like, I've written, like, four, three signing day stories. This- I had somebody cancel this morning because they said too much Ducks coverage the last two days, and, like, I, I get it, and I understand, but also, like, they were kind of, like, the national story mm-hmm. uh, throughout last week. Like, as I kind of put in my post yesterday, it's... It's like Oregon and Alabama, and all the headlines as as winners of of signing day and uh, right. um, I don't know like what 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 did you make out of like this whole last week?
1: yeah, well, I was gonna say quickly, I'm guessing that person may be an Oregon state fan, and this is kind of Oregon's time of the year, and yeah. if you're Oregon State, you kind of have to like almost like that because they get all the attention, but if you look at how last season ended the outcome of that game the way it happened you wrote that kind of column afterwards about the way these teams are building like let oregon have their moment here where it's just names and numbers and stars and let jonathan sign day
0: victory cigars
1: right right um no it was you know i don't know i used to be a lot more into recruiting than i am now i think we've talked about this just like i've and i'm not old by any means but i've, I've watched enough of this whole cycle no, you're, now you're not I'm not no I'm to turn 23 next month but um, we're we're gonna cut that out (laughs) Uh, enough of this stuff I've I've seen now to kind of know that like it's so hypothetical that it's hard for me to get really excited it was cool um, to see what happened Um, you know I think the way that I ended up losing that safety was kind of funny and indicative of this kind of new age of recruiting it does suck for them too because I think he would have been a really nice impact guy day one but there's a lot to get into there I think it's a it's it's exciting time and I think the work on the site kind of reflects that well I just from the perspective
0: of because there there are people who follow college football and then there are people who follow recruiting and like those Venn diagrams overlap a little bit but there are some people who like just like they live breathe and consume all recruiting news and I wonder, and I know like like this week was like like drugs for them, you know, just just like even like that signing day, like surprises, it's just like a big payoff at the end. But like why care in June when you get a commitment? You know, like why why care in July when Dante Moore or, or whatever month it was? Like, you know, it's it's almost like as as somebody who was in the position of like, all right, do I do I go all in and do like the like the pre signing day Dante Moore profile? It's like no, I'm not going to waste my time until any of these guys are actually signed on the dotted line. Because uh, it's just, there. there's really no point until until the guys are actually, like, committed and signed. And I, I do think, uh, I, I think you might end up seeing the move to just, like, there not being a signing period of just, like, just sign when you sign just because like this, Yeah, I I, I don't think this is sustainable. Like just the amount of, like I know, I know landing played it off like kind of cool this week, but like the amount of work that has to go in to doing all that. And then like, imagine if they were actually playing in a relevant bowl game too, and had to actually be planning for something like that. Like good luck.
1: Yeah. That's one thing I always think about when I see all these recruits and prospects and they post these huge video photo shoot compilations from their time at Oregon. And then, Three different guys in the span of a day are like, oh, thanks, Dan, and coach, you know, Lupoy for stopping by my house in uh, Arkansas today. It's like, these guys' schedules must be absurd. Um and it was, it was funny you kind of wrote about you expected, you know, Dan to show up kind of looking disheveled and everything and he had the combed over look. And I don't know, I didn't I didn't go through and really um scrupulously listen to that press conference. But the one thing that really jumped out is what he said about the fact that as much as they've lost a ton of players nobody that they brought into the program left. And I thought that was a great point. I think that's something that they, you know, should harp on because it's a, it's a kind of a a pat on the back for what they've done. And I think um, given how down some people were on the program, leaving the season, you look around at who they've added to the transfer portal, transfer portal, excuse me now. um, And then what they did on signing day. And it's kind of like as much as you could ask for really. So, Jumping over to Oregon
0: State, who I think was like 50-something in national rankings, but that's that's not really an indicator of, of – I mean, that's not generally something Oregon State cares about. They're, they're kind of going for fit pieces, and they obviously are all pretty active on the transfer market. But they are able to pick up a four-star quarterback in Aiden Childs. He's from Southern California. Uh, pretty big arm. He's got legs, too. He ran for like 900, 935 yards last year. Um, listening to Smith talk on signing day, like, like he, he likes what he's getting there. Like it's, it's somebody that he, that he said is one he's getting to campus in January, which I think is huge, which means you're going to have like an off season and spring football and all those things to compete. Um, I, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that he's, he's the starter at some point next season for, for Oregon state. And I think, you know, if you're talking about goals of the off season, that's, probably the biggest one for Oregon State. And it doesn't limit them either if, if they want to jump into the, the transfer market still. And, you know, maybe maybe
1: a DJU wants to come and play somewhere near, near, near his brother, right? Yeah, yeah. Before we hopped on, I said Oregon State made a lot of sense for him, especially now that UCLA doesn't really look like a, a viable option anymore given what they did through the portal and with Dante Moore. Um, Oregon State's really interesting because you're right. It's not a lot of flash in their class, but quarterback was a position of need. And they get a guy who has the skills on paper and the level of talent that none of the other guys really possess. I think some people came away from that bowl game saying, hey, you know, yeah, sure, Florida's falling apart, but they trounced Florida. And it was in a way that I wasn't surprised by because Oregon State's, like, the way they're built is to dismantle those teams that have internal chaos or look flashy but aren't really built along the the fringes really well. Um, but some people, I think, probably left thinking, eh, I saw it written, I saw it written, that Goldbergson, maybe that's the guy, but maybe Aiden Shiles is the guy that's been, you know, kind of overlooked, I, it hasn't been a long I, time since he's been in the fold, but, like, you're right, he could be a guy. So
0: that was, I, I know, like, Bill Orem wrote, like, the the potentially Goldbrunson could be the future for that team, and, like... It wasn't the only one, but yes, I, that was one for sure. Um, but like, and like, yeah, like it it led to winning football. Like Oregon State won ten games this year, and you know, I know Florida brought like half their team to that bowl game, but like that's still like thumping Florida. Like I'm sure the casual fans and like on that side of the country who weren't really paying attention were just like, oh my god, like Oregon State did this to us. Like that's like that's that's a very good stepping stone for Oregon State to not be the reverse team in that situation. But I also think like. Goldbrunson was like the right quarterback for that team for that version of Oregon State mm-hmm. like I and I don't think that's the version of Oregon State that is maybe Jonathan Smith's like best blueprint because like this is he's a pretty good offensive mind like he's a quarterback like he's he's not somebody that wants to like like run a Mario Cristobal
1: style offense you know like I exactly I, you're I, you're joking yourself yeah. when you think he enjoyed having his quarterback throw for 76 yards every day. <laughs> Yeah. like and so. that's the other thing about this Aiden Charles guy and I haven't dove into tape, haven't talked to the kid one-on-one, but like what did Goldbergson or Chance Nolan for that matter do this year that a true freshman couldn't? There's, There's definitely, that probably sounds like I don't know the sport and there's probably little things and learning the playbook and the calls and the reads, but I was never blown away by those guys. And if you can just not turn the ball over, you would think he's already a step up because his legs and a guy like Jonathan Smith probably smart enough with that ground attack to use a quarterback's legs. So, it's exciting. It's a piece they need. And it's going to be interesting. We didn't really touch on this in our kind of um, coverage of, of, of that game of the previously, uh, well, you know, I'll just call it what it is, the corridor cup. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I almost said, you know, formerly known as a civil war, uh, but the corridor cup. And uh, we, so we didn't really talk about kind of moving forward for Oregon state. We haven't had a ton of content from them on the site, because again, they're kind of like a, in in-season, regular season program. You don't really care what happens out of season for them because it's all about the results in season. And I'm really excited to see what happens next year. I don't want to get too ahead of it just because, you know, I know this is a signing day thing, but they lose a ton of the guys that helped build that structure, that understand why they're doing it the way they are, um, the the positives of building it in that way and with that tempo and pace um, and, and not trying to get ahead of the horses on, on on winning too early. So I'm curious. I think it's a huge year for Jonathan Smith coming off the co-coach of the year because there's not a lot of guys left in that locker room that had big roles that have been there with them. You know, they I f- but, forgot like some of the juniors they're losing to the draft too. I mean, they lose a ton of really good guys well and and that's such a big thing for them too is is and uh, and I know
0: they do they do patch things up through like the Juco market or or the transfer portal but like continuity is just like such a big thing with not only for them like on their roster but then with the staff as well too so it's uh I'm not. I'm not going to put the, it past them to improve again, though. Like I, I legitimately thought they were going to take a step back this year because I don't think I didn't think they upgraded their roster. I thought everyone else in the Pac-12 got better around them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then they go out and win ten games for the first time in more than a decade. So I, I, I think, uh, I think Smith and that staff are proving that they're one of the better ones in the Pac-12. It's just, it's just a matter of, of just still closing that talent gap because yeah. uh, um, I know. Uh, I know there's a lot of, it's easy, and I pointed this out in my column yesterday, of Oregon had far better classes than Washington and Oregon State in the last four or five years and got lost to both of them this year. But, you know, the percentages are going to even out if you're the school that's constantly bringing, out, bringing in five-star guys. Like, the degree of difficulty Oregon State has in beating these teams is so much higher than everybody else just because of, of what they're able to do on – weeks like this and so i i think it, it'll be a definitely another challenge for them to to take another leap forward next year even though i i really like the the, the momentum that they're, they're building and i i do think that they can still make some moves in the the transfer portal
1: yeah and, and to, to to finish up on them i mean for all the reasons we both just listed i think like you may be thought entering this year i think a lot of people will probably pick them to take a little step back i wouldn't be surprised at least we, i mean there's a lot of stuff that still has to shake out right Um, But excuse those sirens in the back. But um, there's so much that has to shake out that, you know, would it shock me? No, but the continuity with the staff is so strong that you almost feel like to a certain extent, it doesn't really matter. And there's going to be guys coming out of the woodwork, you know, no matter what. Hey, I know I know you're working on a pro. uh,
0: You talked with Yogi Roth last week from the Pac-12 Network and are working on. Uh, a profile story for this week might come out later today might be tomorrow
1: like that dude's got to be pretty jacked about like where the Pac-12's at right now right oh yeah it was really fun talking to him my I think my favorite question I asked him and this might make it kind of into the piece but I was just like you know you're all over the west coast and he's a he's a quarterback's guy because he was a QB coach at USC and he was with Kiffin and Sarkeesian and Pete Carroll and he worked with Mark Sanchez and all those kind of quarterbacks that came through there. And then he does his Elite 11 stuff. But I was like, outside of the quarterbacks, like, what were your guilty pleasures watching Pac-12 football this year? And he was like, man, I love the Oregon State defense, that secondary, the way they built it. He said he loved Oregon State's offensive line and the athleticism, the way they move around the field and Arizona's receivers and Washington's edge rushers and all these cool things. And it's just cool for him because, and you were kind of telling me about this yesterday, like, you know, the fact that he's kind of the face of a conference and a network that was kind of an ailing one when it flips and you have fun football and he was not at all um, overly jaded with all the stuff going on with the portal and everything in realignment. He said it hurt him, but, you know, to be that excited about the product, and it's only benefiting him. So it's, it was cool to talk to someone who kind of lives and dies by this conference, and given that the conference is doing a lot of cool things, he's understandably really enjoying himself. What was what was
0: uh, what was your favorite thing you wrote this year, Shane? What, yeah. While you, while you while while you think about that, I'll I'll set the scene here a little bit because I I went to a Blazers game. Two weeks ago, it was Blazers versus Minnesota. It was the game where Dame hit 11 three-pointers, and they didn't play him in the fourth quarter, which was agonizing. Like, just just send him out there for, like, three more. Like, let him beat Clay. But it was just the Blazers won. Shade and Sharp had just, like, a couple of just awesome – like, they're just a – it was a very fun night, and I didn't even really care that they won, but the Blazers were really entertaining to watch. And it was coming home and being like, "Ah, oh, man, like that was, that was just a good night of sports in the city. And then I was thinking about like the whole state and like Oregon football is really good. Oregon state football is really good. Uh, Oregon fall. I mean like, like it's a good, I feel like this has been an overall pretty solid year for sports in this state. And I, I was just feeling grateful. And I was thinking of all the things that we've been able to cover this year. We've had a pretty wide array. I know it's been a lot of Oregon duck stuff, but, uh, We've, we've had kind of a nice uh, goulash of things um, because I, I know my favorite story of the year is, is kind of off the beaten path a little bit more. But
1: I, I, I definitely want to hear what, what was your favorite one to write and report this season, this year. It's really hard to pick one. And it's also like when you start talking about Blazers, like that just makes me so excited for winter because I think our plan is, is to kind of try to do some more Blazer stuff. Um, we're going to dip our toes into that water and see if it's warm, you know? Yeah, and, you know, hopefully it it, it's, it stays at least lukewarm. You know, it's, it's cooled off since the start of the season, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. Like, I do so much writing week to week right now that isn't even stuff on the site. But, like, the reason I love doing stuff for i5 so much is the freedom that you give me and then just the types of stories um, that I'm able to write for it. And so it's hard to pick one, like I said. Um, kind of more broadly I'd say like everything I did for Oregon State this year I loved going into the season you know you had this idea that oh we can do some Oregon State stuff on the side and I was like man like I hope that doesn't mean that I never get to write Oregon Doug stuff because like they have so many interesting storylines and then by halfway through the season I was like you know what like I'm so content doing all the Oregon State stuff and you kind of dipped your toe in but like I kind of became like the Oregon State I guess person on the site and like I look back to that and like I think some of my best stories were Oregon State stories. Yeah, I, I, as a reporter, and this is
0: probably why you need to quit this and go get a real job somewhere. Shane is like new is good, and, mm-hmm. and and you know I know you'd been around the Oregon program for probably three or four years, coming through the Emerald and being a student there, and like just, just getting. Getting the same thing but from a different perspective of it or just, like, going through, like, the college football, or like, reporting experience and just seeing, like, a, a, a different way that people go about it. I, I think it's really good for your writing. And I think it made your duck stuff better this year, too, when you came back and did it. Because um, Oregon is such a machine that I think it's, when you're around it all the time, it's it's kind of, it's easy to get worn out by it. Uh, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. think I'm really speaking out of turn there, but it's just when it's when it's when you're in the bubble all the time, it it can get exhausting. And that's, you know, I, I've I've created a whole website around basically Oregon sports. So obviously, I'm not like disparaging something that has that very uh, been great to me. But it's just nice to get like a change up every once in a while. And then you come back to what you've been doing. And I feel like you see everything with fresh eyes.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um and yeah, like there's good things about that bubble. Like I know a lot of people on the beat now and I kinda like shooting this shit and just hanging out and, and stuff like that. That's that's definitely something I look forward to. Um and it's it's not necessarily like that for me on Lord and State Beat when I've been around, but they're very receptive to the type of work we do for the most part, it seems like, especially the basketball teams and so I'm excited to keep doing that moving forward. I think to answer your question, I think the the stories that I had the most fun writing this season at least um this is going to sound counterintuitive to what we just talked about but like the bennett williams one i had a lot of fun reporting that just because he's such a fun guy to talk to and his mom was a great interview, and everybody else um that will richardson one was fun for me as well i um,
0: because i, I liked know. uh i liked your pk diaries one where you ditched uh <laughs> yeah. ditched the game at the moda to get up to the child center for the the very end of oregon state yeah. Or sorry, yeah. was it Oregon State? You no. Who was playing that game? Oregon
1: State. Iowa. Oregon State. Iowa. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I just like that because um, this this is gonna be a be a a public grading of your work here, Shane. But like when you just write quickly and off the cuff, and like it's it's something that you're just like this is like I'm so entertained by this and I just have the urge to write, like, I think you're at your best. Like, like I, I think we all kind of go through, like when we have like a big feature, it's like, it almost feels like overwhelming at times when you're like storyboarding and putting the thing together. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I liked that one. Cause it was just, you're just like, screw it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go write this thing. And that's, that's one of the things that I love the most in this business is just being like, Hey, here's an idea. Let's see how quickly I can turn this around and, and turn it into uh, turn it into something that people might want to read.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The PK stuff was fun. I, like both of the ones I wrote, I guess also did the, you know, an Oregon state one when they played Duke for the men's basketball team. And I wrote a little, <laughs> One of, actually one of my more fun ones is I wrote that little one about Oregon state hoops. Um, when they, they got to three and O and matched their win total, <laughs> they they did su- subsequently lose five in a row, but they've kind of righted the ship. But that was a fun one for me to write as well. Yeah, you you kind of wrote that one at the right time. I like reading, yeah. basically.
0: I, I like reading anything you do hoops wise because uh, I think it's very obvious for people to see when a rider's in their wheelhouse for something, and like hoops is kind of your thing.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I feel very comfortable with football now, but it is such a saturated market. A lot of the times that it can feel really hard to, and I'm sure you agree with this to have something. Well, two things to have something that's unique or if it's not unique to be written in an interesting way where it feels unique and then to feel like you're not missing anything. Like there's so many times where I feel like I'd finish up a piece, um, you know, later on a Saturday night, that was a football gamer or story or maybe even Sunday morning. And then I'd go and read some other stuff that was put out. I'm like, ah, wish I'd mentioned that or this, that. And that's, that's always going to happen, but you know, it can be kind of, um, can be kind of tough. Yeah.
0: I, I, I do, I do kind of miss in like the old days and, in- for me like the old days lasted like two years before everything went like completely digital but it was like you file your story and like that's it like there's no like yeah like even now like there's you and i have both done this where like you post a story and it's like "Ah, i wanted to add one more quote here i wanted Mm -hmm. to tinker with this phrase in here or um if you're me catch a typo here you know like, like something like like it, it feels like these things, like these stories kind of almost have like a 48 hour life cycle or so, like once they go and that's like across the industry. Like if you look at like any story that goes on, um, let's use like Organ Live for an example, like it starts out like as like the small like bulletin and then it gets added as it goes on. It's like iterations of them. Uh, I do kind of miss like the old days of like you just file it, it's done. It's on to the next day. It's almost like a baseball player, like mm-hmm. it's just like all right, another game the next day. But yeah,
1: yeah, it's a good. I I have a good balance with that right now, just because I have the corridor where I can kind of do stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, the stuff that I do for the Oregonian or the Portland Tribune or SB Live, like it is more kind of just go with the flow, and you're you might update a thing here and there, but it's it's mostly just get it out. So that's a nice balance, and you know, it's it's been fun to kind of strike uh strike that balance throughout this fall and i think i've learned a lot about myself as a reporter and and writer um and so there's been a lot of fun pieces i'm curious to hear a little about which ones you enjoyed the most
0: uh i really 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 liked covering the ncaa tournament when i was in town like I, yeah. I don't think that necessarily i don't know if i like produced my best writing from that because it was just you know i i think sometimes the, when those big events come in and It's not hard to find good stories from that, but it's I have found it tricky to figure out what this subscriber base that I've built here, which is like a conglomerate of like some like a lot of Oregon fans, a lot of Oregon State fans. You know, it's kind of like all over the place. Like, what should I write from that? Um, And so, like, I, I did kind of like covering that at like just kind of like the challenge of like, what can I try to like find interesting here? um and i think i just did kind of like some fly on the wall type of pieces pieces and granted i had awesome seats for (laughs) awesome seats for that tournament too but i think the best thing i wrote this year was like the playing catch story with john Mm, sukanik vancouver um i kind of think those off the beaten path uh stories where i can get some access are where i'm able to kind of do some of my best work Mm -hmm. and that one that one was just fun and it was, I think it was relatively well received when it kind of went around, which always is, you know, that always helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, I'm trying to think of, I, I, I actually, I did like my Bow profile. Like I, I yeah, enjoyed that yeah. one. I like thought that, that was that great. One, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I knew I wanted to write a bow thing all year. I liked how that turned out. I liked how it came out a day before the athletics one. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the Oregonian still written one. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like that was that, that was an enjoyable story for me.
1: Yeah, well, that, I think that's why this has worked so well throughout the falls because, like, when I I don't know, I've always I don't know, I, I don't love writing the pieces on the player that everybody's writing about. Like, I don't think I would have. I mean, I definitely would not have written as well, but I don't think I would have enjoyed doing that that bow piece as much as you did. I just like that's why I think I like the Oregon State stuff, like, cause it feels different. It feels off the beaten path, like you said, and that's probably a little bit why you liked your your story you mentioned a second ago, playing catch. And so I think that's a cool thing. Like, we'd probably talked a month ago about the fact that we're quote unquote out of football season, but it's really still been football stuff the last month in some form or another. You know, basketball is going to be something we definitely hit, but to really get out of football season and to do more of those completely off the bean path stories, or even you do something on the Portland pilots. I'm sure that'll come at some point. And like those little stories like that, that's what I think I, I'm really excited for moving forward. So I, I have,
0: and this is probably dumb to share it publicly before we do it, but I think I have a good off season story. You ready for this? Oh yeah. And yeah. and it's, and it's very, very corridor esque. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe if we start talking about it, if, if people hear it um, and they can submit some things, if they have some ideas, But I wanted to put together a bracket sort of format, pitting the best teams in the state of Oregon history against each other and not limiting it to your just your traditional ducks and beavers and blazers. Like, Mm -hmm. like, if there was like a, a 1994 through like 1999, like men's league softball dynasty that like people need us to like, like, go out there and like report on and, and figure out like why they dominated. So like, I just want to include everything, you know, cause like, yeah, as, as I was thinking about that, because being close to like UP, um, you know, the, the women's soccer program that they had there from like 2003 to 2006 might go up there with just like any, like they won a national championship. They had uh, Christine Sinclair, they had Megan Rapinoe, they had like, it was just like freaking loaded in terms of, of, I, I would just like to put those up against like, you know, have like the couple random, a couple random Oregon teams, maybe like the 2014 Oregon Ducks in there.
1: Well, uh, uh, here's the big question. Will your uh, burgeoning um, beer league hockey team, the little cuties make an appearance? Well, I mean like they might be like a 16th seed
0: or so. Right, right. Like, you know, like you know. we, they're not expected to win, but mm-hmm. you know, people might tune in um, or like, uh, like, where I think this could get funny is just like go talk to like somebody who's been like running the intramural leagues at like UO for, for a long time and just be like, if, if like, if they have any memories or, you know. Yeah. That'd be a
1: funny one. Actually. It kind of would have been a good one for me to do while I was still on campus. Um, boy, I'm excited not to be there anymore. Yeah. I I, I bet you tell me a little, okay. Like we're done with the sports shit.
0: Tell me a little bit about, you're moving to Portland now. When you get back from Ann Arbor, mm. uh, I scared you a little bit with telling you about the part of town that you're living in. Uh, but I think I think this is going to be good for you. Like no, I, I, I definitely think this is going to be so. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: we're up. We're up.
0: Like big oh, Shane you know, can't be going to the same bars you've been going to. For I, the know, last six, I know. I you know. I
1: know. Well, that's yeah. more of a Eugene problem. But uh, yeah. no, I mean, I, I was in Hawthorne this summer, and it definitely spoiled me. Um, but we kind of. Struck golden in the way with a spot we found that's like month-to-month rent, me and three other guys, so we can kind of leave whenever we want. The landlord is like the parents of one of the guys, so it's real, real smooth there. It's, it's, it's let's see, like um, northeast Portland, um, kind of near the airport, um, not in the worst parts of northeast, but it is kind of out there, so it's more like a suburb almost. So not my favorite in terms of location, but just being up there, got a call from the Garage, my car might actually be fixed miraculously. So there's all sorts of possibilities now. Uh, What's uh, what, what, what that like? New, like month six, seven? Yeah. Car's been in the shop. Yep. And they've been uh, waiting on a back ordered part. And it turns out they just updated the software for the transmission and that might have fixed the whole thing. So why? It took them six what months. Kind, what,
0: kind of, what kind of car are you driving here? Is it like it's the, it's the, a 2012
1: uh, Ford Focus. Okay.
0: It's you Sorry, know what 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 kind of software does a 2012 Ford Focus I, need? In I didn't even know
1: cars needed software, so you know yeah. it's whatever. I'm going to put that behind me, but that'll definitely open up some good possibilities for coverage. Um, do you have uh? let's see, do you have any like New Year's resolutions when it comes to your reporting? Uh, actually, yeah,
0: and it's it's something that uh, that you've annoyed me with because uh, you're really good at calling like the sixth person and I'm really good at relying on just my writing to like kind of bullshit my way through some stories. <laughs> like I, I just, I just, I want to be a better reporter this year is mm-hmm. is flat out. And and I think a lot of it is, um, like I'm going to be completely honest. Like I just get a lot of like anxiety, like calling, like calling random people these days. And I think, I think some of it too has been switching, to something that doesn't have any name recognition and like Mm. having, having, uh, trying to phrase this the correct way, having like formerly been somebody in this business Mm. and then having to like, be like, no, like, please talk to like my site or, you know, like, like, I I just have like a lot of self doubt sometimes and think like, why would somebody like want to like spend their Mm. time Mm -hmm. talking with this? And that's, I think that's just something that you get like wrapped up in your own head, especially like working on like, on your own a lot and like not, and not, not in an office. And so it's just like, it's just like one of those hurdles that I kind of find like, all right, like quit being dumb. Like just make that call. Like it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's my, I I think that's my new, that's my resolution this next year.
1: No, I like that. And as someone who's made legitimately at least a hundred calls this fall between my prep stuff and college stuff and what else, I mean, it it never really truly gets easier. You never really get over that. Hump. Do, do 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 you do uh, you do you cold call or do you like send a text first? am I'm, I'm a big texture ahead of time because I kind of yeah. have no choice. Like the way, especially when I started classes, like I just couldn't with my schedule. Like I, if I didn't know when someone was calling, um, especially because I, for me when I do my interviews, like I have it on speakerphone. I have my Otter. Um up recording it. It's like a software for recording and transcribing. And like I I like to just be in my room and just I have it going. I don't like to be in the car, I don't like to do anything else. Um and so I need to know when it's that just is. It's like, like a like a controlled, controlled right, environment. Right environment. Yeah. Because I've lost you know, I've lost transcripts because the audio recording has failed or something because I was rushing yep. it. So it's just like because of that, I like that controlled environment. And I think it is tough just like um, scheduling all those. So, cause a lot of these preps ones will be like 15 minute calls with these athletes or these coaches. And I might have four or five in one day and then have something I'm working on for the corridor, have something to do for the Oregonian. And then I would have like class or something. So it was hard to balance all that. So I love scheduling things out. It helps me a lot. Um, so I'm not a big cold caller. Um, especially since I have a, I have a Michigan area code. So people will just think it's spam. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah actually, actually like yeah the whole spam
0: call world has kind of killed like the cold call mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, 100%. But but then like I like in the rare instance where you have to do a cold call, it's like do you do like the hey is so and so there or do like do you go like right away like hey, I'm so and so with the so and so, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like it's it's like what what's the dance got to be? Because if you just ask for somebody, a lot of times it's like who who's ta- who's asking, you know, <laughs> yeah, I do
1: the, I do the, I'm so-and-so with so-and-so that's, what's been really a blessing moving on from the Emerald as much as I gained from that experience in my past years, like being able to throw any of these other places behind my name is so helpful. Um, was, and you kind of need to, was, cause there's so many people getting all these calls from all these reporters these days. So it, it was so
0: funny at the athletic, like we'd have, uh, we'd have yearly, um, like college football staff summits mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they'd rent out like a conference room at a hotel and they would have like a couple people like lead, like, here's how I wrote this story or, um, you know, like a lot of like really useful stuff, but it was always, it was always funny when like they would have like Bruce Feldman, like teach like a seminar on sourcing and like, I love Bruce, like he's one of the best guys in the industry, but he's like, yeah, you know, just like I've, I have a lot of success just like DMing people. And, doing, and it's just like, but, but you're Bruce fucking Feldman, man. Like right, it's a little right. bit, it's a little bit, di- like, it's a little bit different. Like
1: I, I don't like, think I've ever, not ever, but I mean, DMing especially on Twitter has almost never gotten me anywhere.
0: Yeah. Or, or it's just, or it's just like, like there's, there's no assistant coach who is upset. Like when Bruce Feldman's call or like that, or that's going to like ignore that call or, you know, it's just, it's just right. like a little bit different worlds that we're, we're, we're dealing with here.
1: Well, you know, in corridor fashion, we did about ten minutes on football, and then we've been maybe twenty, thirty on on completely other stuff. So, if anyone's still listening, I'm curious. Maybe if if you want to kind of because it is your brainchild, this whole thing, set the table for the new year and what maybe is to come content wise, and, and what you're excited for.
0: I th- I think I think we're going to have a lot more stability in the off season in terms of like twice a month I want to have just two really thick good stories for people to read. Like I, I think kind of the balance is like you you obviously don't want to be forgotten in the off season and, and you want people to think that they're they're getting their money's worth. But uh there can be a lot of fluff that happens <laughs> like when, when football's out of season. And so mm-hmm. I, I just I, I think I think projects and kind of more focused a little bit more focus is, is what's going to be becoming in, in the next coming months. Just, I, I think, you know, we might do some themes, we might do some uh, a series on things, but um, hopefully, hopefully like, you know, we're, we're in a year and a half now. We've gone through one full off season. I, I think we're kind of firing a little bit less from the hip now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm excited for what, it, for what it comes because uh, when you don't have, Games every Saturday when you don't have like a recap podcast on Monday, it really kind of opens up like what you can write and like mm-hmm. when you can write it and the types of stories you can do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a lot of hoop stuff, a lot of probably some non sports stuff or kind of in the weeds um, things. And I don't know. I've already started throwing some ideas around. Like, I don't know. I did that big oral history on on Altman late season runs. Like, I'd love to do one on the the gang green defenses of. Uh, Oregon team has passed
0: you know maybe maybe if Oregon gets on a late season run again this year we can run that thing again since when you ran it last year they mm-hmm.
1: kind of like cratered oh no I'm, I'm well, I will have a thousand percent run it again I will bump <laughs> the crap out of that thing because it took so long to work on I mean that was probably still to this day probably the most exhaustive reporting process I probably called 13 14 I, people
0: that that's uh those are the stories that just like kill me because when you when you like when you publish that like it, like you want it to have like a news hook so you like you're doing it like in the middle of a winning streak and
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh and i think it's impressive to like kind of see like see something happening and then go out and do like a well reported story like that on top of it but there's just always the risk of it becoming a it of it becoming incredibly dated really quickly just based on, cause I, I know I had asked you to put together like your list of like favorite stories this year. And I, I don't know if you initially like, it, like thought of that one just because yeah, of like, yeah. just kind of like what happened. I mean, same thing with like your Justin flow story from, uh, Uh, (laughs) right (laughs) good lord yeah Yeah, actually 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 and i know we've talked about this too but like thank goodness we never did like the like the noah sewell flow playing off of each other yeah i mean maybe maybe you could still uncover something out of that like tongue-in-cheek style
1: right well to bring the whole podcast full circle because i didn't mention this like sewell and flow are an excellent example of why i don't get in the weeds with recruiting too much And why I think it makes more sense to do the type of reporting we're doing because Flo never really put it all together. And now he's out of the program, kind of a weird last year for him. And Sewell had some really good moments. But then when the team hit its peak notoriety under his time here, he was kind of in the shadows a little bit and not his fault necessarily. I mean, now they're both gone and they were like staples, right? And um, yeah, the whole thing to me is just really interesting to watch. So. It was cool to see Oregon get all those guys, and I think Oregon State's brewing some things. And there's all sorts of things to be excited about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for the new year. The one, the one thing that that just kind of reminded me of is
0: in 2019, I went. The athletic sent me down to. Oh no, no, sorry, it was 2018. It was before the 2019 signing class. The athletic sent me down yeah, to California. Micah Pittman. Yeah. And like they had me do like the big like Cali flock story because that was mm-hmm. when like Oregon went in and they got like Thibodeau and Pittman and uh so on that trip like I went and talked to P- Pittman who's no longer here I went to Modern Day and sat down with they brought out like Keon Ware Hudson Mace Funa and Sean Dollars and like Dollars was like the the kind of like the flashy recruit out of them and now he's gone like Funa has been you know, he's been a contributor, but like, he wasn't like the, like when I was down there, it was like a huge, it was huge, huge news because he was taking he was already committed to Oregon, but he was taking like a USC visit. And it was like, Oh my God, like, what's this mean? And, you know, like Funa has been fine, but I don't think he's, you know, capital. I don't think like his play has warranted, you know, the the myriad stories that came out like during that time. It's just, you know, all of these kids, even even the best ones are essentially lottery tickets when it comes down to whether or not they're actually going to be what people project them to be. Kind of like this podcast, you know, like we we came in and said it was going to be one thing. And if you're still here, it might you went through a whole bunch of completely different things to get back to college
1: football. So and yeah, and just like recruiting, you want to collect as many lottery tickets as you can.
0: Exactly. So happy holidays from the I-5 corridor. Uh Shane great work this year man like it's 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 been a treat it's it's kept me motivated kept me going it's it's been a lot of fun kind of watching you improve too uh but don't don't get much better because like i i need like a couple more months of work out of you so i'll be around this summer at least i can't promise anything past the summer (laughs) cool well happy holidays everybody thanks for listening and we will be back after the new year